and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, we're talking about a multitude of things, specifically some pretty crazy characters. Let's start off with the craziest of them all. Of course, it's the mighty Yi. It's Kanye. Kanye is a very strange character at the moment in the media. One who's given some extremely racial discriminatory... Uh, well, not racial, more religious slash sort of many, many different issues in, in terms of Islam. Well, not Islam. Judaism, aphomia, whatever that is. I'm losing my words. Point being is it's not good. He's not made himself look great and he's started to start looking crazy. However... I know. I'm, by the way, guys, he's he's very much a... Sorry, to use the viewer, I'm not defending him in any way, shape, or form. But I am going to say, from a financial standpoint and a business standpoint here, I think there's a method behind the madness. I think he's saying all this crazy, crazy, crazy stuff so that he can get out all of his contracts without having to involve lawyers and legal fees. You what?! I think he's doing it so that he doesn't have to spend a penny on cancelling all of his contracts with all of the partners that he's been a part of. Adidas, Balenciago, um, Gap, any of the partners that he's previously have, he's out now. And he's got out of it, not because he's gone into a lawsuit with them, but because the companies have said, we want to get rid of you because of what you've said recently. He's gone on every podcast, every single platform to be able to spew the vile hatred stuff, but at the same time, I think he's using it tactically as a way to be able to get out of these contracts. He's using it as a way to avoid legal fees. It's a fascinating standpoint, it's one that I don't back. I think it's a bit of an extreme way to go about it. As a man who's claimed many a times to have enough money that could fill many lifetimes, why not just pay the legal fees and put this under the rug? But Kanye being Kanye, I think he's using it as a way as a publicity stunt as well to even force his name further down the rankings of how people like him or maybe the opposite and they'll go out and buy Yeezys even more or they'll even vote him in as president. Let's be honest, we've seen President Trump come in in America. How hard could it be for Kanye to go in and become the next president? Who knows? I was talking with a friend today about all of this, and I really couldn't get to grips with the idea of why he would do this. It doesn't make sense. Why do you turn around from someone who's clearly, yes, he's got bipolar. Yes, he's not mentally well. And clearly he doesn't have enough friends around him to be able to maybe speak some sense to him. Or, or, he is a business sound mind and he's doing it purposefully to be able to get out of this. It's a bit of an extreme standpoint. One that I don't back, but one that's very interesting. I'd love to know what you think. I genuinely do. Is this too far? Is this a viewpoint that just has no foundations? Let's be honest. It's the last resort for Kanye. He's now off Twitter as well. And he's now been deplatformed. Just like another character we'll go on to in a minute. I just want to say that... Kanye to me has always been hilarious. He's been a hilarious character because he always says some crazy stuff. He's also a musical genius in some ways. He creates absolute fantastic music that we can all listen to and we all enjoy. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be of sound mind when it comes down to talking to people. One of the things that I 
found kind of distressing for me personally was how he talked to Lex Friedman. Lex is probably one of the best podcasters out there. He's one of my favorites to listen to. He's very matter of fact, but he's also starting to develop a little bit of a sense of humor, which is great to see for someone who's an ex-computer scientist uh, myself and seeing him actually become less AI and more man. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's it, more, don't stop. (laughs) And so he's uh, also, he tried his best to be a friend to Kanye and provide him with the rest, uh, with a, a helping hand and Kanye slapped that hand and said I'm not one of your BLM marches or whatever he said at the time it was kind of a little bit of a slap in the face for you know for, for Lex who is of Jewish Russian Ukrainian background and I wouldn't have been surprised if he found a lot of the stuff that Kanye said is offensive now the media itself However, Kanye sees it being controlled by people of a Jewish background. It doesn't really matter, does it? You're looking at the big bad wolf and you're crying about it. And the big man, the big daddy of them all being the government, etc. And the big corporations. There's no way that being a, talking on podcasts is going to help about it. And this is why I, I concluded that the only way that he's doing this is not because it's going to help anything or that it's going to help anyone or that it's going to personally help Kanye in any way. The only way it's actually going to help is that if he's trying to get out of these contracts. That is the last resort. Either that or we go to the more sound argument, which I think probably 90% of people believe in, is that he's just mentally ill and he's a famous mentally ill person who's given platforms to talk on, which probably isn't the best thing to do. And there's that. But I also want to say that Lex did the best job he could within that interview. So if you are truly interested in seeing Kanye interviewed with a sound mind, not Kanye himself, but Lex being asking the right questions and asking them at the right times and trying to be the best interview he possibly could, while being basically assaulted with terrible jargon, not jargon, but a a terrible (laughs) just from Kanye. (laughs) He feels like that Australian man who just barks at the the television. (laughs) That's what it feels like Kanye when he's talking to Lex Friedman. And Lex does the best he can. And I'll put a couple of clips in to be able to reference him, but I I will also put a link down in the description below so that you can click it and go out and actually see the original interview because it's it's worth watching because it's a really interesting interview in the first place. And I think that it's seeing Kanye in a a light of, ooh, I might have bitten off a little bit more than I can chew here because I'm talking to someone who's extremely intelligent and even more intelligent than I think he knows he is. Uh, even if he does think he is a god in human form, or maybe he doesn't, and it's just a performance. Um, I don't. This is silly because you don't know me, but it, it hurt when you say you don't trust me. You kind of lost me. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me. I don't know, man. Fuck that. You're, I'm not. I don't care about uh, views or clickbait or any of that bullshit. Um, I just thought you were one of the great, greatest artists ever. It'd be cool to talk to you. And I just, I feel like you got pain you're working through. I never had anyone say that to me. I, I, maybe I'm just being a mess about it, I guess. That's fucked up though. Which leads me on to another character who is of pure performance. Recently, I've seen uh, a lot of people talk about that. I haven't personally gone to talk about him 
because I don't I think the internet internet talks about him enough at the moment as it is. Uh, but I do want to add the truth about Andrew Tate here. Andrew Tate is a character. He's not real. This guy is literally just a performance for the world. A very well put on performance, but a performance nonetheless. He's there to get clicks and views, to be able to generate more revenue for his businesses, and then also to be able to uh, maybe increase his ego. I doubt that though. He's already got enough things to be able to verify that in the first place. He seems like a very sound of mind chap and someone who's actually rather intelligent and knows exactly what he's doing when it comes down to manipulating social media, which he's done so well. I mean, round of applause for him for being able to figure out how to be able to get people to clip his conversations up to the point that the internet can't go anywhere without him being the face of it. It's brilliant. It's a great strategy. I'm not knocking it at all. I think it's brilliant. I think how he manipulated the algorithms that have been put out there by TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all of them, he was able to get his face on. I don't think we'll ever see someone like that ever again because I don't know if the companies will allow that. This is including YouTube. I don't know whether they'll be on the watch for another character who's putting out strong opinions that could be affecting people, let's say. I think that it was purely character, it was pure performance. First started by the great and powerful, of course, podcast, The YMH Studios, your mum's house. And I think Tom and Christina did a brilliant thing of being able to clip up Andrew when he was first starting out as Cobra or Cobra Tate, as he was originally known. And I loved the idea of him being one of the cool guys. <laughs> Go play the sound clip. There's a cool oh, guy. And it's got to be uh, one of the cool guys in terms of Andrew Tate because he's just so... Too, maybe the performance itself resonated with too many people and that's why it became so worldwide because so many people... But there's also things that he added like a little bit of a sprinkling of truth in there as well to be able to latch us, you know, bring us all in and be like, oh, come into my world. I'm going to be able to fix your problems with all of my chat. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not. At the same time, it's just a performance that he's put on to be able to... He's a comedian in some ways. He's, he is an ex-boxer who became comedian. Where have we heard this before? <coughs> Joe Rogan. And the point being is that I think that he's tr trying to do the best job he can as being a performer. But I think he's got out of hand. It got to the point where he realised, like, oh, yeah, right. So this performance has got too far and I can't turn back, so I'm just going to go as harsh as I can and get deplatformed from everything and just continue what I'm doing. And people will talk about me nonetheless, which I'm talking about right now. So it proves the point. Even when you're deplatformed, even when you're quote unquote cancelled, you're still there in some form, in some ability. Andrew's always going to be a, a part of the internet now because he was able to break through it. He was quote unquote able to be able to break through the matrix, as he would put it, in his red pill way. And I think that's rather funny to, to watch how these social media companies were unable to do anything about it. Or maybe they chose not to do anything about it. It's very interesting to know because the code that's written behind this, it could easily be manipulated within a day and change. Now, that would affect a lot of people's lives and they may see a difference in their traffic. And this is why they've deplatformed him because they may be aware that someone else may be able to do this. 
I'll be very interested to see. Mr. Beast tried the same thing. He went on a bunch of podcasts and tried to get himself clipped up. It didn't have the same effect. So maybe between him, Andrew Tate being platform, deplatformed, and then Mr. Beast trying to do the same thing, all social media companies made a change within their algorithm. You don't know exactly because we're not on the inside as the you know, the developers or the people actually writing the code. But nonetheless, it's an interesting idea that maybe he pushed it so far, so to the brink of his content being available to everybody that the social media companies had to change. I think he'd take a lot of pride in that. And, and if we were to have a conversation, uh, I, I imagine he would be very grinning ear to ear knowing that he was able to have an effect on the quote unquote creators of the matrix. And so... I think that Andrew is a reflection of today's society in some ways, masquerading as something much worse than it actually is. We live in a world where everybody's looking at screens all the time and looking at what the worst can be. And the truth is that it's not as bad as it looks. Yes, there's horrible things going on in the world, but there's a lot less of that happening in the West. And the problem is the West is looking at all of the small, tiny, 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 tiny problems and making them much bigger than they actually have to be through social media, media, and any sort of way for you to watch on the screen and be engaging and view and actively look into this information. They're trying to get you to be more engaged, more angry. And so they put out this information. I think he's a reflection of society today. Again, he's probably great. If he was to hear this, he'd be grinning ear to ear, knowing that he's this big of an impact. But I think he is. I think he is a reflection of what today's world is. And that is a fraud in some ways, a masquerade, a truth that is actually covered by a false, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? It's like an XOR, really. He really is uh, a little bit of a dichotomy in some ways because himself and Tristan actually give interesting and down-to-earth conversation when they're not putting on a performance. And you can tell the difference between the two. There's a lot less energy, there's a lot less of the so-called misogyny and all of these things, and I genuinely don't think he believes a thing. It's it's very British of him to do so. I don't think he'd like to say, hear that, but it's very British of him to be the, the as sarcastic as he is whenever I watch any, any of the podcasts or clips from before being banned. You have to also watch before and after because there was a period of time where Andrew went through all of the podcasts. And when I say all of the podcasts, quite a few big ones, but not Rogan, not Lex, not some of the more heavier, serious podcasts. And I think he would love to have been on Rogan because it would have got him even bigger than it already would have been. But I think Joe could also see the same thing. And the reason why YMH had him on was because he was part of their clips of the Cool Guy series, which would make sense because it's within their wheelhouse and it makes sense to have him there. It also makes sense that the backlash didn't really affect them because they're a comedy podcast. There is no seriousness there. There is merely just fun and games, basically. And I think he is fun and games to some extent. But I do want to say, don't take him too seriously. I think people getting angry and negative. I'm a positive person. You can't, you know, you don't want to be 
feeling negative about someone else, he's very successful. You're not going to get him down. You're not going to get anyone that rich down anyway. I, I can't imagine. But the point being is don't take everything so seriously that you see on the internet when it comes down to these things. A lot of it is just manipulation of code, manipulation of ones and zeros. So do remember that not everything you see on the internet is true. And not everything you see on the internet can be taken so seriously that you scream into a microphone <laughs> and, and tell the world that everything's going wrong when actually 90% of the time it's going very well. So, Andrew, out of the way, let's talk about another fraudster. The, one of the, the final character of this podcast. And I found it seriously interesting this week seeing that there was confirmation of the knowledge that, that let's be honest, we all knew. We, none of us were really surprised when we saw this, that the liver king is in fact on steroids. Yes, you, you heard me said it. It's true, it's the fact. Joe, Joe Rogan said it yeah, like ages ago, and we all knew it, let's be honest, look at him. He looks like he's been pumped to the gills, and he has. And in this great, great leak uh, that I believe Derek from More Plates, More Dates. I love his channel. He's been on the, he's, his clips have been on the podcast and I will continue to shout his praises from the rooftops because of all the great research that he does. Derek also did a fantastic, fantastic, almost documentary level, uh, maybe not bashing, but <laughs> verbal destruction of the, of the Liver King. First showing all of his shenanigans across all podcasts, uh, one of which I actually listen to regularly, and I, it made me kind of sad when he had him on. I didn't listen to the podcast because also I don't totally agree with what the Liver King says, and so Brian Johnson went on there. Sorry, the Liver King is called Brian Johnson, really. I'm not going to refer to him as the Liver King anymore because it it's just stupid. It's a silly name. It's like the people who, who are secondary school still being called nicknames when they're in the late 20s. It's just ridiculous. So, um, yeah, Brian Johnson went on to The Diary of a CEO. And The Diary of the CEO is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. It's a very it is honest conversation where we reveal some of our darkest and deepest emotions to a gentleman who's really got it down to be able to handle that and to be able to broadcast it without making it uncomfortable or for all of us to feel in some way uncomfortable listening to the information we're hearing. It's very much a therapy session that we are a fly on the wall to watch or listen to. And it was sad for me to see Brian Johnson on there because he discredits the diary of the CEO to some extent because he is a charlatan. He is a snake oil salesman. He is somebody who, to me, doesn't represent the fitness industry very well. Uh, I don't think that he's all bad. I think that a lot of what he said is healthy. So being able to be outside, getting eating the right foods, and trying to be a little bit more uh, high in testosterone through natural means of getting good sleep, all of these ideas, his nine ancestral tenants, while they are extreme and a little bit edgy for a lot of people, I wouldn't agree with eating raw meat personally, but I would help agree with getting good sleep, being out in the sun a lot, and being around nature. But apart from that, basing those nine ancestral tenets as your way to be able to get to maximum muscle mass and claiming natural is, in some ways, again, me bringing up fraud. Fraud is a strong word. 
it becomes, when it comes to the mind, when I tell you this, you, the listener, are thinking to yourself of something quite serious. Maybe somebody getting sued, maybe somebody going to court, maybe being arrested, fraud. And this is what it is. It is fraud in the daylight. Now, he won't ever be sued, and I don't think he'll ever be arrested, Brian Johnson, but to some extent, there is a level of accountability there that has not been dealt. While Derek from More Plates, More Days has opened the door to showing the truth, the truth is, is that he's utilized his image as a way to be able to sell products and selling products under a false narrative. And that, to me, is fraud. Fraud is, and it will always be, illegal. And it should be, because it's cheating people out of hard-earned money. And I imagine a lot of his customers are young men trying to get into the world and trying to be more healthier and trying to better themselves. And taking advantage of that is not good. Now, I've been very serious here for the five minutes, so I'm going to lighten up a little bit because the Liver King, Brian Johnson, is a light-hearted person in, in general. And I think the documentary that Derek does is fantastic in the sense that he breaks down why he's not natural, the evidence, the evidence that he received himself before Brian Johnson became famous as his Instagram tag. And this was, I believe the emails were received almost a year and a half ago, which is crazy to think that somebody was able to go from zero followers to one million followers within a year. And it must be said here, this is what happens when you don't tell the truth, when you hide when you go into the public, when you try to lie, when you show yourself as something that you are not. It's as serious as that. Telling the truth and don't lie. And this is why I'm a big fan of that rule from Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. Because you fall into a trap or a pit or an abyss which you will not be able to get out of. And Brian Johnson here has found himself in this. He has found himself trapped within his own truce. Now he's released a video saying an apology, but what he's really done is he's apologizing for being caught, not for apologizing for actually the act itself. He has taken more than just one or two shots of TRT, he's taken human growth hormone, he's taking Winstrel, he's taking Decker, he's taking some seriously hard steroids, some seriously hard performance enhancing drugs that shouldn't be recommended to anyone, anyone. I say that in all seriousness. If you think of taking PEDs, please speak to a doctor about it before you even think about it. And if you are below the age of 30, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it unless you're competing within a bodybuilding competition that is going to earn you a serious amount of money. And when I say that, I mean I'm talking Mr. Olympia levels. Don't do it because it will affect the rest of your life. Just like smoking and just like any other health debilitating thing that's going to do so, drugs and all. So that's the serious out of the way. I do want to talk about, I did want to get that out off my chest a little bit because fraud to me is one of the serious issues. And I think everybody, all the listeners out there can agree that being lied to and someone trying to sell you something that's based off that lie is very wrong and makes you feel a little bit sad inside. So, now that I will move on, let's go on to something fun. It's the World Cup, of course, one of my favourite things. You know, it's a little bit sad that the World Cup 
is based in winter. It's more of a summer thing, you know, it's something we get together, we go out for a few beers with the friends and family, it's beautiful outside, we're not really working as much, we're not in the cold, dark winter that we're currently in now, and we, you know, it's a smiley time, it's a happy time, it's the World Cup, it's hot, it's ready to go, and while it is very hot in Qatar right now, it is not over here in the rest of Western Europe, and obviously in America as well, or parts of America aren't that cold at the moment, such as the West Coast. Nonetheless, I feel that, you know, the, the, the World Cup's a little bit tainted to some extent for it being held in winter. I don't think we'll ever see this again, hopefully. I don't want to be seeing the World Cup being held uh, during winter ever again. It's just not worth it, and I don't think there's very much uh, a good vibe around it. Anyway, Moving on to less off my opinions and more on what's going on. What an amazing group stage we saw. What an amazing World Cup we saw. The fans, as always, the Japanese fans showing us all up by cleaning the World Cup stadiums after they've played. I love the fans there for doing that. It's one of the coolest things to see is fans picking up their own trash. I think it's something that we should all really think. And it puts to shame the English fans who purposefully uh, go out of their way to cause absolute shenanigans uh, all over the stadium. There's also the fact that the Japanese team was able to get through, not only through by second, but by first. They were able to top the group with Spain and Germany and Costa Rica within that group. The group of death, uh, as I would like to call it as well. A absolute, like, just mind-blowing achievement for the Japanese team. Something that I think they thoroughly deserved with a counter-attacking and team mentality that was fast-paced and absolutely enjoyable to watch when playing against both Spain and Germany and beating both teams. It's something that I don't know if we'll see very often with the giants such as Spain and Germany being a little bit asleep at the moment at the wheel. With Germany going out of the World Cup and now Spain going through, it's really, really interesting to see who's going to win. We've also lost Belgium as well, another big, big country to be able to out of the World Cup. It's going to be a seriously interesting round 16. So far, we've seen the Netherlands, Netherlands, the Netherlands. How about new? You crazy Dutch bastard! Beats the USA, and the USA sadly have been knocked out of the World Cup in the round of 16. They were a very interesting team to to watch in the group of 16. Although they weren't, you know, now that I look at the English uh, sort of group with Wales and Iran and the US and England in the group, it wasn't as interesting as some of the other groups with teams such as Senegal getting through, with teams such as Japan, South Korea and you know the rest of i think it was was there anyone else who was a surprise uh, out of the groups that no because you had spain you had portugal you had brazil you had france all of the big dogs there coming through but the main surprises were definitely for me uh, japan south korea and i think yeah that's about it let me let me get this up now i'm questioning my insanity i'm pretty sure that those are the main ones that uh, that was surprising. Was there anyone else? 
Oh, Australia! Oh my god, all of the Australian fans are killing me right now. Congratulations, number one, to Australia. They played fantastic, and they're playing Argentina right now. It's nil-nil, but I'd like to say that the Australians, whatever happens, whatever happens between Australia and Argentina, well done for getting through Australia. That was a surprise, and you truly showed what it means to be wanting the football and being a team and not just being a bunch of group of good players who happen to play for the same country. And there is a lot of that at the World Cup. You will see a lot of that. There's less of a teamwork and more of a, look at me, I'm doing very well. We also have in the tables, yeah, so the Netherlands and Senegal, England and the US, Poland and Argentina. Now, I'll be interested to see if Poland get through. I doubt they'll beat France. France are a strong enough team this year that they. I think they'll go on to win it because they are so strong. Japan and Spain, Morocco and Croatia. Of course, I forget those two clubs, uh, those two countries. Morocco doing fantastic. It's interesting to see Hakim Ziyech do as well as he has when it comes down. And there's also been other Chelsea players who've done very well at the World Cup and shown that they have quality, but they just don't want to do that well for Chelsea. <laughs> they're just too. They're just too more. Con they're more concerned with their country than they are with their club, and that can sit sometimes happen. Switzerland, another team that. I genuinely wasn't sure we we're going to go through, but they played some excellent football against both Serbia and against uh, Cameroon. And with Portugal and South Korea going through, it's going to be a fantastic last bit of the World Cup. And it's going to be sad to see it over because the fast-paced energy that comes out of these teams during the World Cup has... It's just, I don't know what it is about the World Cup. It just brings the best out of players. It brings the energy. It brings the, the feel-good uh, vibes to, to the World Cup. And, you know, speaking of feel-good vibes, I want to end this podcast on talking about the Christmas spirit, the best part of this year. Here I am. Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! is the December period. And I know some of my friends are saying right now, bah humbug, I don't want to even talk about Christmas until it's later in the year. No. Christmas is one of the best times of year. Christmas music is fantastic. I love it. I love playing it while I'm doing some work. I love listening to it when I'm not working. I love the whole period. I love it because when we're cooking for Christmas, uh, when this, this family, I can't wait to have it playing in the background while I'm doing the cooking. I can't wait. I love seeing the Christmas decorations. I love Christmas food. I love the whole vibe of seeing how happy all the kids of the world are when they're getting presents from their families. And it's just a feel-good vibe. It's just a good time of year. When it's cold and when you are getting to the, when the dark parts of winter, having Christmas to look forward to, knowing that you're going to spend time with your friends and family and that you're going to have a few drinks and you're going to eat some good food and you're going to hope that Santa Claus has put you on his nice list. That is something to look forward to every year. And I don't care how old you are. It doesn't matter because age is but a number when it comes down to Christmas. Christmas to me is about goodwill. It doesn't matter about what religion you are because Christmas is about being a good person to one another, giving gifts to one another. It's about being happy. It's about being Christmassy. It's all about putting the bad parts of life aside and celebrating one another for a month. And if you can do that, then I tell you what, you're going to have a great January because you're going to be thinking about how good Christmas was. And 
I know people from all different backgrounds who don't celebrate Christmas, and it makes me very sad because they think it's purely about religion. It's not. Christmas isn't about religion at all. It's not Christian in my eyes. My, none of my family believe in the Christian faith. They're very agnostic, but we all celebrate Christmas because we love the vibe that it gives. Christmas has become more than a religion. It's all about the love that comes with it. And it's all about that smile that you see from the other person that you give to the present. Because it's not about receiving presents at the end of the day, it's about giving them. Because you get that great feel more than you do when you receive. It's just the way of life. It's just how it is. And I have to say, like as well as all of the sweet food that I get, which is, again, treat, treat time of the year for me. It's also about just putting aside any sort of negativity you have and trying to be in that Christmassy vibe. So let's end the podcast here on some really Christmassy vibes, some happy thoughts. I hope you've got to this end because you've got to the best part of the podcast, the, the positive part of the podcast, and that you are now ready and raring for Christmas. So this has been a Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. And I hope to see you, as always, this time next week. Bye now.